there are moments where there's so much beauty. You're sitting there in a, in a sunset and the perfect waves coming in, it's backlit and offshore winds are hitting it. And you get these memories of these moments. And that's kind of like what I like to, to paint. What I like to create as an artist is or try to capture that moment. That is Patrick Parker, who lives on Maui. And in our conversation today, we talk all about what led him to move to Hawaii, his path in becoming a professional artist. We even talked about surfing and ecotourism and even the current conditions on the road to Hana and a whole lot more. So stay tuned for this one as we learn more about Patrick Parker. Let's go. Welcome to Hawaii's Best Podcast, where we help you prepare for your next trip to Hawaii. Discover the experiences, businesses, and stories that make Hawaii the Aloha State. And now your host, Brian Murphy. Welcome to another episode of Hawaii's Best, where we help prepare you for your next trip to Hawaii. I'm your host, Brian Murphy, the owner of Hawaii's Best, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. And I can't wait for you to hear more about Patrick and my conversation with him. You can find Patrick online at patrickparkerart.com and on Instagram at patrickparkerart. One of the things I love about podcasting is being able to connect with amazing people and just hearing their story. And this episode is all about just hearing Patrick's story and his story to Hawaii. And as he was born and raised in Southern California, like myself, it was cool to hear about his move to Hawaii about 11 years ago and and how that has changed him and how he's continued to create art and enjoy the amazing inspiration that is the Hawaiian culture and islands. So Patrick's been a professional artist for about 15 years and he specializes in paper collages of what he calls fantasyscape. And we unpack what that term is throughout this conversation and also creating tropical imagery. Now, honestly, my conversation with Patrick kind of went all over the place. We talked, like I mentioned in the intro, about ecotourism, about Rodahana, about his creation process and about his move to Hawaii. And it was great just to be able to hear his story and his heart for art and his heart for Hawaii. And I'm sure that in this conversation that there's going to be some nuggets that you're going to be able to take away and be able to apply to your own life and into your next visit to Hawaii. So without further ado, let's go ahead and let's talk story with Patrick Parker on the island of Maui. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on Hawaii's Best today. Love to hear a little bit about you and what brought you to the island. I grew up in Los Angeles area near the beach, and I've always been a surfer since I was like nine years old. So I've always had a love affair with Hawaii since about that age, because when you learn about surfing, you learn about Hawaii and that's the, the roots of surfing. And so as you grow up as a surfer, you get this fantasy of like this tropical island in the middle of the Pacific and it has great waves. It's beautiful. It's warm. There's amazing beaches. It's just beautiful. And then as I grew up and I became an artist, the two combined where I was painting and collaging and doing surf art. So I think naturally for me, it was an easy like way to immerse myself in my inspiration was to move to Hawaii. I did that about 11 years ago. 
And it was the greatest move of my life. I don't think I'll ever want to leave Hawaii, live anywhere else. Yeah. I've traveled to a lot of places and they're amazing places to visit. But every time I go to a place, I almost get homesick of wanting to come back to Hawaii. <laughs> and if you've ever lived in Hawaii or been here for an extended period of time, you probably kind of feel that as well, or you, you don't want to leave. So I always hear that, oh, I don't want to leave. I wish I could extend my vacation or maybe one day I'll live here. And for me, it's the other way. I, I travel and I go, oh, I can't wait to go home. So it's kind of opposite. <laughs> That's awesome. So then what was your first visit to Hawaii? I believe I was five and I went to Maui. That's where I live right now. I don't have much memory of that. But uh, when I was 19 is when I first came out like as a surfer and you know, challenged the waves and really got challenged because the waves are so much different than LA. Right. You know, warm water, big, bigger waves, reef breaks, like instead of sand, it was like sharp coral. So <laughs> a lot of, a lot more intense. And after that, I moved when I was 28. So like it was almost 10 years of coming like twice a year, three times a year, wanting to stay longer. Right. Doing a little bit of art and realizing this is the inspiration. Like I need to move here. So eventually just decided to take that chance. So growing up surfing, that kind of came first and then the art was inspired by that culture? Yeah, definitely. When you really get into that surf culture and you really are inspired by the ocean, there are moments where there's so much beauty. You're sitting there in a, in a sunset and the perfect waves coming and it's backlit and offshore winds are hitting it and you get these memories of these moments. And that's kind of like what I like to, to paint. I like to create as an artist or try to capture that moment, not in a photo, like photos are great, but like there's an energy that's different when you can create it yourself or you, you look at a piece of art that's created by someone else and you feel the energy that they put into it. I think it'll be forever for me to want to paint the ocean in its different form. Mm -hmm. And then to add backdrops like Hawaii, where it's tropical, there's waterfalls, there's rivers and palm trees and huts. And like, that's, to me, that's just this idyllic, thing that like I go to when I think of how beautiful Hawaii and the beaches here are and the ocean itself like surrounding it. It sounds like the same or similar energy when creating art and when getting out in the ocean are very similar. Is that accurate? Yeah, it can be. So there'll be some moments when you're creating where you're in the flow. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you, I see your guitars in the background. Right. <laughs> Musician, you know what that flow is. And it's similar with art. It's similar with surfing. You're just really in touch. All your senses are firing. Nothing else matters. You're so in tune with what's happening. You're so present. The correlation between the both of those and to combine those, like I'll get lost for eight hours and not eat, not drink and just <laughs> come up for a breath of air and go, wow, like I just created something and it was so magical and, and you just fall in love with it. And it's, it's, I'm very gratified and it's very humbling too. It is so grateful. It's, it's amazing. It's really those moments, I think, a lot of us who are creative. And I, I tend to believe that we're all creatives. And it's, it's those moments that are like, makes what we do worth doing and, and living and like getting back into that flow and trying to recreate that. Definitely. Yeah. So surfing in LA, definitely different than in Hawaii. Yeah. I'm curious that moment you got in, out into the lineup the very first time in Hawaii, what was that experience like? Pretty overwhelming in a lot of ways because when you paddle out from the shore, most spots you're paddling over sharp coral. 
And before it's like the water in Los Angeles isn't that clear, but you know, it's sand. And then you might, you might see some fish or a turtle or maybe a whale or dolphin or some seabirds. And in LA, you don't really see that. I remember like the emotion of just being out there so surrounded by nature in a different way than I ever have before. And if you've ever visited Hawaii and went swimming there for the first time, went snorkeling and that energy, the energy of the islands is so much stronger here. The natural energy, the mana, we call it. It can be overwhelming, but then it, it's so seductive. You want to keep coming back and back and experience that over and over again because it, it fills your heart. It makes you feel good. It, it makes you feel connected to nature. It's really amazing. Yeah. So similar question, moving 11 years ago, immersing yourself full time into the community, the culture. What was that like for you? I was on the North Shore of Oahu. So that's where all the, the contests are, pipeline, like Waimea Bay, all these amazing spots. And I wanted to live there right in the middle of all that energy Sure, because I did surf art and that's like the epicenter. I felt accepted right away. I mean, I'm not from the islands and there's a term called Haoli, which means not from here. Like there is some, you know, just like anywhere in the world, if you've surfed before, like there's some localism. You know, people are coming to travel to your break to take your waves. So you got to kind of fight, fight for it. There's rules in place, but I was very aware of that and very respectful and haven't had any kind of major problems. I've been yelled at, you know, I've dropped in on people accidentally like, oh, shoot, sorry. I didn't mean to take your wave. I'll go surf over there now. I'm sorry. Like, that's not my intention. The more respectful you are anywhere you travel, you'll feel good. They'll want to meet you. And when you're living here, now that I've been here long enough, when you do experience someone and you meet them and they have that same kind of mana, that same kind of energy, like, oh, I'm just so grateful to be here. It makes the experience so much better for both people. You know, if you're, the, if you're coming just to take, to take, to take, oh, I only have a few days. I want to hit this swell. I want to get, I want to get the most waves. I want to just, or I'm sponsored. I deserve these waves. <laughs> There's someone taking photographs of me. I want to get the best barrel. And so I can further my career. That's going to backfire very quickly here. All right. I've been trying to unpack this thought, this concept. And since you're a traveler yourself, curious and how you would define this or unpack this thought, the difference between being a traveler versus being a tourist. A traveler to me is someone who wants to experience the culture. They go there to immerse themselves, not just to go sit in a fat hotel and and drink Mai Tais, you know, <laughs> that's a tourist. They want to hit the best spots. And it's almost like taking in a lot of ways. But there's a way that you can combine the two. And that's kind of the best, I think. Yeah, you want to hit the, you want to see the beauty of the island. You want to experience the best places. But you also have to have that respect and want to, like, what is this culture? Why is this place so special? Mm-hmm. Is there, like, for Hawaii, there's a lot of ancient artifacts and ruins and places that you, you want to stay away from, even though it could be beautiful, like observed from afar. If you go to the big island and you take lava from the big island, you're going to have bad karma. There's stories of, I've, I talked to one of the people who work there and say, oh yeah, people send rocks back, lava back in the mail all the time. Right. Because they took something and, you know, they try to make it their own when it's for everyone to enjoy and it's meant to be on the islands. And this bad karma came about them pretty quickly. So they decided, well, I need to send that back, release (laughs) that karma. For traveling, I think, you know, if you come with that respect, good karma will follow you wherever you go. What's funny is 
we did a whole episode about the legend of Pele and um, how some post offices are filled with these lava rock that people, you know, send back. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's very true. And it's really about being true and respectful, like you said, and uh, no matter where you go. And I think that's really been the conversation of Hawaii's best is, yeah, you can travel to Hawaii technically part of the U.S., but technically not. It's its own culture, its own people, its own language. When you travel to another country like Australia, for example, or you kind of have this preconceived notion that you're traveling into another culture. And I think when travelers travel into Hawaii, they forget that they're traveling. It's not just like crossing the border. If you live in Southern California, heading over to Arizona, it's not the same thing. And I think that is kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah. No, not at all. Maybe some of your listeners will know that Hawaii was annexed by the U.S. So the deep roots, there's like a there's like a deep pain there, and you feel it when you're here. If you really want to get into the culture of it here, mm-hmm. you're going to feel that. Yeah. So knowing that as someone who's traveling into Hawaii, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're listening to this right now, just important to know. And I know you're not going to be able to know the entire history, but having some of the cliff notes of the history is super important. And when you travel into Hawaii, having that knowledge and this, that, having that on your heart as you engage in conversations is super important. So Patrick, a little bit more about being on Maui right now. I'd love to hear just some of your talks being on island. The road to Hana, what is the current climate situation right now? So I'll, I'll backtrack with that question a second because there's mo- like what, what Hana is right now compared to what it was during the pandemic. Sure. So I was on Maui when the pandemic started and the tourism was at its peak. Thousands of people a day travel the road to Hana. It's gorgeous. There's, I don't know how many little bridges, one, one lane roads you have to go across. Every other turn, there's just jungle and there's waterfalls right by the, by the road, you can stop and take pictures and even jump in. And usually there'd be 20, 50 people sometimes at some of these spots. You can, you have to keep driving because there's just no parking. There's just a lot of people. You're like, oh, maybe that's not my energy at the moment. During the pandemic, when that hit, Hana was closed off. It was actually secluded from the rest of the island by the government. Like police, you have to have show residency or proof of like you have to have work to get over there. Fortunately, I live pretty close to the backside of Hana, the south side. So there's two main roads that go to Hana. I was able to secure a, a work pass to go to Hana and do some stuff. And on my visit, I'd see only like two or three cars coming back the other way, going to places where you could hike, where there'd be 20, 30 cars on the side of the road ready for this hike. There was nobody mm. hiking with my girlfriend for an hour, two hours with nobody. And it was great. It was a great thing. But it also is like, that's not normal. And if you lived in Hana, you might really like that part of it, that there was not a lot of tourism, but also there's a lot of struggling businesses because of that. Sure. So there's, there's just a real give and take on Maui with tourism being like, it's really back to all-time high right now again, almost mm-hmm. more. So there's frustration. The tourists would be frustrated because there's a lot of people. It's a high value destination in the world. Everyone wants to come here. Everyone was so frustrated being at home, can't sure. travel to Hawaii, had all their right. tickets and their, everything <laughs> all booked. And now here's their opportunity again. And I want to get there and 
wow, there's so many people here. Like, I didn't really <laughs> expect that, but it, it kind of has always been like that. And to have that perspective during the pandemic and living here and being like, wow, the nature got to breathe. It got to breathe for like a year. Yeah. And the beaches look better. There's less trash. The whales came closer. It's kind of nice. So, I mean, this is probably the million dollar question, but where do you see the balance between tourism and ecotourism? Maybe that's the, the better term. Like, where do you see the balance there? I might have an opinion. I don't know if it's the right one. You sure. know, there's a lot of different um, ways to approach that in terms of how does it benefit the community first? And then second, you know, how many people are allowed on the island? You know, there's only so much any infrastructure can handle. That's true. And there's always constant erosion on, on the roads. There's lots of trash that's being, you know, not finding the right places or just a lot of things that this island gets shipped into the island to support the tourism like stuff that wasn't grown here. You know, there's a lot of pollution through that. There's a lot of airplane flights and cargo ships and everything that isn't the best for the environment. All these products that people, like a water bottle, right? A plastic water bottle. How many millions of people a day are going to grab that water bottle, hold onto it for 10, 10, 20 minutes, and then find a trash can for it? And Hawaii doesn't have the best recycling program either. Right. So like you're saying about ecotourism, hopefully that's something that can come more to the forefront. You know, there are places that do that. I'm not in the know on all the best or the, the places to go right. to do that. But um, there's a lot of problems with a lot of people in a, on a small little island in the Pacific. Hopefully it can become more eco-friendly and help the community as well, the people who live here, because it's a really hard place to live. It's very expensive. There's a term called kama'aina. It's a local price. It might be anywhere from 10 to 50% difference on a price because it might not be affordable with your salary living here because the prices are so high for gas, for food, everything, internet, electric, housing costs. For a single, like a single person like myself living here on, on Oahu, renting a one bedroom place, or sorry, on Maui, my living expenses could be anywhere from four to $6,000 a month, depending on your, your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, right. And the tourism can bring that in. You can make that money as if when you live here. But then also there's what about something more sustainable? Because when that pandemic hit and all that tourism stopped, right. And there was a lot of people that had to rely on unemployment, you know, government benefits to to survive, to pay their rent, to get food. So there's a give and take with all that for sure. Yeah. So living on Maui, Maui is rich in a lot of culture and a lot of artists, especially, you know, you got Front Street, Lahaina Town. Let's back up a little bit. How would you unpack your creation process? Like, you know, do you get get up and like, okay, I'm going to start creating at eight or is it more of feeling it and vibing it and pressing into when inspiration hits? There's a lot of factors. I think it's pretty easy to get distracted here. So you look outside and you're like, wow, it's so beautiful out. Let's go down to the beach. Let's go surf. The waves are up. And you kind of flow with it. You know, some days it's, it'll like we're in a tropical island and it'll be raining for like a week straight. Can't go really go hiking or, you know, the beaches aren't really that awesome when it's pouring rain. But, um, that's the time where you'll really get involved with your art, really get into that flow. It's, it's not like I just get up and not condoning nine to five jobs, but that's not my schedule. Yeah. I chose not to do that. It's also not as secure. It's not as consistent. And that's the risk you take, but it's also super gratifying when you 
are able to create something out with your with your hands and present it to the world and be like, hey, this is what I like to do. And I hope you like it. And if it supports your career and allows you to live here or anywhere in the world as an artist, you know, it can, it can be very difficult. There's no, there's really no security. But the day to day is surround yourself with whatever you can that inspires you, whether it be people, the ocean. I surround myself with some of my friends' art. I like to watch movies that catch my eye, noticing the colors, the depth, the subjects, and then kind of start. Some days you'll just, whoa, I got really inspired right now. And you'll pull out a piece of paper and start sketching and go, oh yeah, I want to make that into a a piece one day. Or right now, I'm feeling it right now. Let's go. (laughs) Sometimes it's the flow. But I think as a professional artist, the professional side of me, the one that's like, okay, if you want to make this your your living for the rest of your life, you got to be a professional at it. It's not something you can just, oh, I'll do it here and there. You got to learn the marketing. You got to learn the business aspect of the art. You were just talking about galleries. There's a lot of galleries in Hawaii, especially in Lahaina. And you got to learn the business side of that too. You can't just show up and go, look, I make cool art. Show me the gallery. <laughs> it's like, well, look at the gallery. Just this is the kind of art that is going to fit in here. Are going to sell that kind of art? What, what's your client base? Who wants to buy your work? You have to have your online website, your Instagram, whatever it is to, to sell your work. That's as a photographer, you know, it's you're not like you're just taking photos the whole time. There's the post-production, there's the pre-production, there's making sure your equipment's running right, mm-hmm. there's the marketing, there's the podcast, there's everything to get that product out there. It's something that you don't learn when you first start out being an artist. Right. You kind of just go, oh, I'm going to be an artist. I'm just going to paint a lot and I'm going to love it and it's great. And yeah, it can be amazing. But then rents do and you're like, oh, I didn't sell any art this month or this week. I have to go get a, a job that will support that. So maybe it's a side job that the art is Mm -hmm. or if you want to become a professional you make the sacrifices and take that risk and you do it all the time and and learn as you go i've been doing it for 15 years and i feel like i need at least another 15 years before i really understand even a little bit of it (laughs) (laughs) i love that always posturing yourself as learning growing i'm curious how a gallery works like is a, a network or how do you get in every gallery is a little different some are like co-op galleries where you there's a bunch of artists that you know will pay rent on a space Mm -hmm. and if you want to get into something like that you meet the other artists you see if you guys gel together you feel like you want to support each other there's other other galleries are you present a portfolio of work and you go hey this is my best stuff this is the kind of work i produce Uh, this is my medium these are the sizes this is my wholesale cost what i would want for the piece and you know, they might give you a chance. They might go, oh, here's three months. Here's a wall space. We'll see how you do. If you do really well, you're selling a lot. We'll expand your wall space, but then you also have to be able to fulfill that. Gotcha. So if you can only make three pieces a month and you sell five pieces a month, it's not sustainable. It's great that you're selling your work, but how are you going to keep up with that? Pretty soon you won't have any wall space. So there's a, there's a lot of give and take on, uh, on each gallery, like how is it going to fit with your style of art? Mm-hmm. How fast can you produce the art? If you get really popular and all of a sudden you're on like all these different travel websites and this is the go-to artist, this is the art that you want to have. All these people come in and are looking for your art and you can't, and you just get sold out in a couple of months. Now there's other people are coming like, oh, where's the art? Oh, I don't know. We sold it all out. So there's like, that's a great thing to have in some yeah. ways, but at the same time, can you sustain 
that work? Are you going to keep it fresh? Are you going to keep it new and exciting? Mm -hmm. Do you want to reproduce similar artwork or do you want to always try to do new things? It's like a musician, you know, like they get kind of pigeonholed on the same kind of sound. Right. Like the the Beatles were great because every album was so different because they just deleted themselves. They had great support and they, they went off and just did their thing. And then some other artists, like they have the exact same sound their entire career. Right. Because that's what people expected. It can be like that is that I've learned is people might come into the gallery and see your art and then expect all your art to be that same kind of look. So that can be a little daunting as an artist if you want to be very creative and always trying new things. So like a musician, try new instruments, different kinds of guitars, bass, whatever they can to like keep that fresh. It's kind of similar with the art too. So you might get pigeonholed into or typecast, let's say, like as an as an actor, like, oh, you're only a rom-com actor. You can only do that. <laughs> if you try to go outside of that and you try something new and present it, like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing over there? Like, this is I don't expect that. Well, it's so you gotta kinda try not to get typecast, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time wanna kind of keep it consistent so that it's kind of expected. There's a there's a total play on that that's I'm still learning. <laughs> sure. What galleries are you or gallery are you currently in? Well, currently I'm in a gallery on the Big Island. Oh, okay. In Waikoloa Village called Genesis Gallery. And also by the end of summer, I'll be in two other galleries, another one on Big Island and one in Waikiki. I was in a gallery in Lahaina, but it wasn't quite working for me. So I'm going to try to look for another one in the future. I live on Maui, and if anyone wants to contact me through my website at patrickparkerart.com. I live up in uh, upcountry. It's up Kula on Haleakala. I live at like, this, uh, this amazing view. It's like 3,000 feet. So inspiring. Look out the window right now. I can see it. I can see like four different islands. It's awesome. That's awesome. If you're in town and you want to check out my home studio, I have a bunch of art here, all different kinds, more than just what's on the website. And I'd be welcome to, you know, to meet you. There's also um, another way to contact me is on Instagram at Patrick Parker Art. I have a lot of work on there, pretty consistent with posting new stuff. It's a great way to connect and show the world what you do. There's people from Germany, Japan, Australia that look at the work and comment and buy prints or originals. And I just shipped a, a print to France for the first time, sold an original to Australia last month. And so it's pretty cool to, to see this international thing. I'm on this little tiny island in the middle of the Pacific and people who are interested in Hawaii and ocean themed art nowadays, instead of just being in a gallery where you can only see it in person, it's the only people who are really going to see it. The internet has allowed the whole world to access yourself, which is really awesome. Yeah, it's super awesome. I mean, that's how you and I connected over Instagram and we've done a few giveaways together and even you guys can't see this, but I'm show you can't see it it's got a glare glare, but yeah yeah, that's a solitude right there one of patrick's art pieces and uh, something about that just really spoke to me i'll be sure to post a picture after this uh, episode comes out but yeah man so fantasyscape is how your art is described maybe you can unpack that a little bit and obviously for someone to get more visual you can go to either one of our instagram accounts and see that but uh, for someone listening right now, how would you kind of unpack that? So I came up with that word combining fantasy and seascape. Got it. it just flowed so nicely together, fantasy scape. My favorite subject is to paint an unreal world that's like a fantasy. 
So like most people ask, oh, is that a place in Hawaii? I'm like, no, it's just my own creation of what I feel when I'm here. Like what I, a place that I would want to step into and feel what I feel when I'm here. So like, Mm -hmm. like we were talking about Hana earlier and there's places over there that you'll be hiking and you'll come upon this 200 foot waterfall. And you're just like, Oh, that feeling of just, yes. And it's, I get the chills even just thinking about it right now. <laughs> some of those experiences. And that's the kind of experience that I want to capture. Kind of seascape is because I always usually like to put water, uh, ocean in there, like a wave, maybe a turtle or a, a beach mm-hmm. because I grew up surfing all the time. But some of the works just want more waterfalls and rivers. The fantasyscape is the idea is that you can look at it and kind of mentally transport yourself to that place. So I'll put like a little hut or some steps or a couple of tiki torches or something real small that's human that kind of you can relate to. And it makes nature that much bigger because there's small little huts. And I, you get the perspective of, oh, if the hut's that big that waterfall has got to be 600 (laughs) feet tall or that wave's like 20 feet tall and that beach is super long or that whatever it is. So to me, I draw that energy, that fantasy scape energy from being here and trying to get all that feeling out into the art and the colors I use are like very saturated. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than life here. It's not like there's a lot of pollution or light pollution to block out the sky. You get to see all the stars. You see the moonrise coming over Haleakala. It lights up the entire island. And you go in the water and it's so turquoise and clear and clean. And you walk down the beaches and your toes are in the sand. And it's, it's a feeling. And yeah. if you've never been here, and hopefully this, this podcast will be like that extra little thing to say, okay, I need to go now because it's just a magical place. I love that. And I think that's a good spot to end it. What? Are you excited about looking into the future? The future? Oof. Lots of art. Yeah. Living in Maui. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's, I'll, I'll keep it you're, simple. You're in it right now, man. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, thank you so much for coming on today. I, I appreciate you and I, I thank you for your time. Oh, well, thank you, Brian. I wish the best to you. Aloha. Aloha. Mahalo to Patrick again, just for his time and coming on today and Again, you can go to patrickparkerart.com and you can see all of his amazing creations. Also go over to his Instagram page because that's where he's really active at Patrick Parker Art. And you can see all of his incredible um, creations over there as well. I mentioned in this episode about um, a piece that I have of Patrick's called Solitude. And I'll be sure to post a picture of that you can go to our Instagram account to see that at hawaii's.best or you can go to hawaii'sbesttravel.com slash episode 69. The next time we talk, there's going to be a huge update on travel. So stay tuned for that. And until then, be well. Aloha. Thanks for listening to Hawaii's Best Podcast. To stay up to date on future episodes, be sure to subscribe. For more information to help you plan your next trip to Hawaii, visit hawaiisbesttravel.com.